A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together on all of these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, and they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened here in the few in these days? He said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them on all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then he drew near to the, when they drew near to the village where they were going, he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they, were, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in and stayed with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to, to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he has known to them, he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's the third day. The third day since Jesus died by crucifixion on a cross like a murdering thief buried in a borrowed tomb. It's the third day, but we're not in Jerusalem gathered in the Garden of Gethsemane or at one of Jesus' more secret recreational places for a picnic Easter celebration. We don't find the disciples gathered in the upper room 
for a sunrise surprise party. And we don't see banners plastered across the street in gigantic red letters that read, Welcome Back Jesus. It's the third day, and we find ourselves in Luke chapter 24, here with two of Jesus' disciples on their way out of town, on the road to Emmaus. It's about five o'clock in the evening as they walk. Huddled close together, they're talking frantically about what had been going on. And they found themselves in you know, what had been going on in the last few days. I mean, did you see? Did you see the way that Peter denied even knowing him? Did you see the way the master looked at him? That look of knowing, that look of forgiveness, that look of grief. I've never seen a look like it and probably never will again. Did you see how they beat him with a whip until his back was nothing more than bloodied strips of meat? Did you see the tears welling up in the eyes of the centurion whose servant Jesus healed? Can you believe how the crowd shouted for Barabbas' release? Can you believe how they turned on Jesus? Can you believe some of the faces that were... Some of the faces that I know were among the 5,000 that he fed and were stuffing their mouth on that hillside. And then here they were spitting and shouting curses at Jesus as he went up the hill. Did you wince every time I did when the hammer struck the nails, piercing the tops of his hands again and again and again? in the tops of his tender tops of his feet did you hear his words my god my god why have you forsaken me well maybe it's true maybe he wasn't the chosen one after all it's the third day and here a stranger enters into the conversation with these two disciples one we're told is named cleopas and the other's name is not mentioned but, chapter, but verse 16 lets us in on a little secret. These two disciples are now in the presence of Almighty God. But they're kept from recognizing him. Why? Why couldn't they see Jesus for who he was? The stranger asked simply, what are you talking about? And at this they stop dead in their tracks. Their eyes are staring at the ground. Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened in the past few days? What rock did you just crawl out from under? You must have gotten here, you must have just gotten here, friend, while the whole city is talking about all the things that happened in just the last few days. And Jesus asked simply, What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and men. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just like the women had said. But him they did not see. Now do you understand why they didn't know it was Jesus right there walking right beside them? In verse 19, we see they had resigned themselves to believe that Jesus was just a prophet. A prophet gently tucked away in a borrowed rich man's grave. You know, there are many long-faced, despairing, deeply sad people walking around today because they can't see Jesus walking there right beside them. The truth is, if you don't recognize him as the living Lord, you won't recognize him at all. These sad, despairing people make the same mistake that these two disciples on the road to Emmaus made. They see Jesus as an ancient prophet, tucked away in a tomb a long time ago, as an ethics professor, a good teacher from 2,000 years ago with a lot of well-meaning ideas and good intentions that just don't work out in the real world. He was a good role model, a good man, just a prophet of old. So they miss the company of the living Lord that walks alongside them every day. There's too many people like that. In verse 21, we read that they had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They had hoped he was the Messiah. They had hoped he was going to change their world. And it's the same today. Many people, people are angry with God. They had hoped that Jesus would save them from themselves, from their bad decisions. But just like these two disciples, they're frustrated because Jesus hasn't dealt with their troubles, the troubles in their life, exactly the way they expected him to. He hasn't changed their world according to their personal plan. So Jesus becomes a past tense person in their hearts. I had hoped he would redeem me. And they struggle on day after day after day under the weight of their own selfish desires. Their own sinful nature limping along as, as much as their own puny spiritual strength can drag them. Jesus is dead to them. The transforming power of the spirit of Christ is not alive in them. Verses 21 to 24 are the most disturbing. You know why? It's the third day. They knew something exciting, something new, something powerful was supposed to take place. But they didn't know what. They had, turned the, they had heard the gospel message, the good news. The good news that Jesus is alive. But they weren't sure. Maybe those women were just seeing things. You know how emotional women can be. Besides, some of our companions went to check it out. And it was just like the women said. There was no Jesus there. Of course not. There was no Jesus there. Jesus was here. He was walking right beside them. Walking right along with them in their disbelief, their disappointment, their doubts. He was there all along just waiting to be recognized. Just waiting for those who had gazed on him. Just waiting for those who had talked to him. Waiting on those that he stood right by. Listening with patience to every word, every sorrow, every moment of disappointment. 
until they might be moved somehow to something of a spiritual harmony. Waiting for their eyes to widen and widen and with realization. You know, that aha moment. See, they knew Jesus the man. They knew Jesus and his words. But they had never known him as the risen Savior. The resurrected Lord. They were looking for the living among the dead. Isn't that the same question that was asked back in, at the tomb back in verse 5? Why were they looking for the living among the dead? It's just the same today. People are looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. All the places that they expect him to be. Let me tell you, if you're looking for a rose, you've got to look among the thrones. The thorns. I mean, if you want Jesus, you have to look long and hard into your heart. This is the temple of God. You can't get Jesus by proxy. You can't find him in your pastor's heart or your Sunday school teacher's life. There are no piggyback rides to heaven. Every year we sing a song at the sunrise service that describes this. We sang it just last week during our sunrise service. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives. Where? Within my heart. But you have to look deep in your heart, into your heart. Is he there? Is the Lord of life living there within you, within your heart? If you open that door and you don't see Jesus, then you have no part of eternal life. You have no part in the joy and peace in this life. You have to look deep into that dark basement of the soul. What is it you find in those dusty shelves of your soul? What do you see when you tear away the cobwebs? Hate? Anger? Disappointment? Doubt? Disbelief? Guilt? Shame? Foolishness? Just like these disciples. That's how they were described. Verse 25, Jesus says to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what is said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus says to those disciples, listen, I'm going to help you find me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the Word of God reveals Himself in the pages of Scripture that He inspired. In the army, the soldiers practice a skill called land navigation. What it is, 
This training requires them to take a map and a compass and then find the first site based on the coordinates that they're given. At that site, where are the coordinates to the next site? And on and on and on until at last, the final site, at the final site, they find what it is they're looking for. Jesus is doing that with his disciples. He's taking them through the Old Testament scriptures, starting with Moses and dropping little arrow markers. No doubt, he told them the same thing that he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, which was actually taken from Numbers chapter 21. And it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the, man of, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And he must have explained Leviticus, chapter 16. Then he is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement. So what this means is the Messiah is both the final sacrifice for all sins, sacrifice to God, and he's the scapegoat presented alive before the throne of God for atonement. So he must die and be alive. Now, if you know anything about the crucifixion process, you know that most men died of suffocation before they bled to death. He was hung in such a way that all the weight of his body pulled on his wrist and stretched the diaphragm. So much so that all of the bones were pulled out of joint. If a man on the cross wanted to speak, he had to literally dig his heels into the beam and push himself up enough to be able to speak. See, my personal conviction is that, that Jesus was a preacher to the very end. While some pastors and scholars try to explain away, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, as God unable to look on sin turning his face away from Jesus as he took on the sin of the world. I believe that Jesus was saying with a horrible shortness of breath, saying in few words from the cross what he was able to expound to the disciples on the road. He was saying to those who cried, You're the Messiah? Prove it. And what he's saying is, Look to the law and the prophets, and you will find me there. The religious leaders are standing around gloating. But their skin must have turned clammy white because they would have known what Old Testament passage Jesus was quoting when he cried, My God, my God. This was not a wail of doubt. This was not a cry of despair. This was a cry of fulfillment. And the scribes and the teachers of the law knew exactly what I'm about to share with you. Psalm 22, written several hundred years before the first person was ever crucified, centuries before Christ ever walked on earth, is eerie in its accuracy and its prophetic power. 
It begins, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. He trusts the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouth wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me, and they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots from my clothing. Christ is saying, do you see now the suffering Messiah? Don't you understand now that the chosen one had to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And no doubt he explained Isaiah 53, which was written in 700 B.C. It reads, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our affirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And on and on. Scripture is too numerous to find and read today. Passage after passage, Christ revealed himself to those on the road to, to Emmaus. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, broke it, and gave thanks and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him. And, they dis and then he disappeared from their sights. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Brothers and sisters, I put it to you now. There 
are those here today who know these verses better than they're willing to let on. You know that burning. You know that feeling. It happens when you sit in church and the truth is preached from the pulpit. And you feel it at the words of a spouse or a neighbor or a son or daughter or a parent or a grandparent. Let me tell you now, it's Jesus right there, right beside you, walking with you on whatever road you're on. He's speaking to you through the words and lives of those who know him. He's waiting to break bread with you, eager for you to see him as he is. So put away your disbelief that he really has the power to change lives. Put away your doubt that he is truly alive. It's the third day. He's alive. He's standing right there beside you, waiting for you to recognize him as the transfigured Lord of life and Savior. Won't you turn your eyes on Jesus today and see him at last as the Lord of your life? Redeemer. Friend. Amen.